Uh, wishing ourselves many happy returns. Welcome to Hand of Pod 165. episodes and four years, four years ago today, the first episode of Hand of Pod ever went online, um, and the world has never been quite the same since. <laughs> I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined in Dan Edwards' English Dan's living room. Just as it started all those four years ago, different well, house, terrace, same mind around the living room, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> same, uh, conceptually the same venue, it's, yeah. it's your house. I think, I never imagined I'd still be either in Hand of Pod or in Argentina or, you know, within six blocks of where I lived before so no and I, um, yeah everything stays still I guess and I never imagined I'd still be producing this and still not earning any money from it but there we go uh, and you both we are also we're also joined for this special birthday edition by um, Andres who I believe was here the only person who was with me for last year's birthday edition weren't you yeah yes. or was that for yeah, one, we were two. 150 or possibly for both but anyway yeah. Andres welcome back yes I I, I, I liked the, the candles of the cake like last time that time so yes and, well, happy birthday, and I, I got impressed by the, the photograph of the mansion where you <laughs> recorded the first episode. It was pure luxury, that. It was a beautiful luxury. terrace. Yes. Yeah. So, well, the very ambient sounds of Buenos Aires coming in from behind, which we've still got through the window now with the, the traffic yeah. outside. There it was worth barking dogs, sirens, screaming kids. I don't know what was happening. <laughs> that, was a, that was pretty crazy. That. It was a beautiful Saturday afternoon, that, wasn't it? It was, um, yeah. We're also joined by Gustavo. Hello. Glad and honored to be at this uh, illustrious occasion. You can stop pretending that now. <laughs> and by Teo Gutierrez, sorry, it's Peter, <laughs> who's, as Andres remarked a minute ago, is, is wearing a pair of glasses which are uh, not dissimilar to Teo's. I haven't seen these, so these said glasses. Not so quite as scary. Teo's are slightly thicker. I can't reserve. Thicker can't reserve judgment on that. But, hello. Um... Now, in four years of Hand of Pod, we've spoken, there's an ambulance going past for you to enjoy as well. We, we told you you were going to be getting some ambient noise. We have spoken many times in four years of, on Hand of Pod about things like refereeing incompetence and uh, dramatic finishes to matches and uh, questioning conspiracy theories and managers massively overreacting, getting themselves sent off and mass brawls at the end of games. And a lot of this, sometimes we've also spoken uh, about uh, the officiating, particularly in Arsenal de Sarandi matches. And bizarrely, uh, a mere week before we record this, we were given the, the perfect instance of all of those things aligning perfectly, albeit not in favour of Arsenal de Sarandi, but against them. We've got to start, and this is not an episode for which we're short of topics to talk about, but we really should start with last Friday's. 3-2 victory for Lanús um, over Arsenal de Sarandí which on the one hand got Mystic Sam off to a good start because I said Lanús were going to win on the other hand uh, the circumstances in which it happened were perhaps not quite worthy of such an illustrious predictor as Mystic Sam does somebody else want to take up the baton and explain what happened? 
anybody? Or Sly <laughs> carry on talking? Well, there was, there was a lot of uh, time added by Marlos, Andres Marlos, the former referee. Mm, it looks like he's not going to be coming back. Uh, it's, uh, five minutes of five minutes, added time. Uh, which, uh, the, the, the thing is that, and why, the reason why uh, Martin Palermo, Arsenal, uh, still coach, um, said it was not necessary or not what was uh, uh, too much time added for, for the match that, or the second half that had been played and uh, after and I think it was really it yes. was having watched the second half I was struggling to see where he got five minutes from that, that was the first sort of when the board went up yes. think, really five but, but after that five minutes the, the other uh, the thing that started to uh, 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 put uh, Arsenal players and, 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 and Palermo and Amandansieri and angry is that after the five minutes, five minutes, 20 seconds or oh, it so... It was about five minutes and one second. Well, but the... The corner uh, was taken almost the, exactly then, then, there, then, then there were uh, programs where they showed uh, referees stopping the game when the ball was in the air. So uh, they, he could have given the corner kick and not let it, let, let it kick. Uh, uh, he let the, the corner kick and uh, the goal was was uh, at the well uh, passing that five minutes, which was well game ended. No, they, then Melos because players were uh, 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 well just uh, too angry. Added one minute more because of the. We, we should point out, by the way, that um, there was a goal scored, yes. uh, which Andres sort of hinted at but didn't actually explicitly mention. Uh, Lanús uh, made it two-two from a corner, yeah. uh, bang on five minutes into stoppage time, and then. Then there was, uh, I know, one, two, three minutes in which uh, play uh, the game wasn't played, and, and because of that, Melos added one more minute after that five minutes, which was the original added time or stoppage time. And uh, so after that minute, or, or when that minute was being played, Arsenal had a play a, a, a goal opportunity which wasn't, of course, scored, and the, in the counter attack, Lanús. Scored another another goal, the three-two, at, at the ninth minute of added time, uh, with uh, Silvio Romero almost grabbing the ball with with his hands and a lot of uh, well, uh, curious uh, situations, and the goal was given. So the game ended three-two. But uh, in the middle, Arsenal the president uh, who, uh, Grandona, or I don't know if it was vice president Silva. Uh, say that the goal wasn't valid because who lead over because yeah, yeah, there was no restart taken after him. Yes. Yeah. Is that the law? No. According to the lead over there is a FIFA rule in the FIFA rule book that says that after a goal gets scored, you've got to take the restart mm-hmm. and then blow for full time, otherwise the goal doesn't count. I'd like to see a more reliable source <laughs> than Colito Grandona, maybe. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the hand of pod consensus on this gentleman. I can't say I don't. Have we got one? I can't say I have much sympathy for Arsenal really. Not just because of well, the no, history. Well, no, exactly. To watch Arsenal's players and all that kind of thing. But st- but even so, if you get to ninety-five minutes two-one ahead, and you let it go and you lose, that's your own fucking fault. You <laughs> you got to look at your defence. You got to look at where your team's heads are. Everything. And, you know you can. I think Madlis obviously just had a meltdown. Particularly because unless, unless there's a difference in terms of the AFA rule book, uh, as we're often reminded in, in the Premier League in, in England, 
the amount of stoppage time that is shown on the fourth official's board is a minimum, not a maximum. Yeah. Now, for all I know, it's different in Argentina. From the way that Palermo reacted, maybe it is a maximum here. All I know is that I think no in no part of the world is it mandatory. That's it. Exactly, right. Like, the linesman can play whatever he wants, but it doesn't mean that that is the time that has to be played. I'd also say the, the initial giving of five minutes was too much, but the actual timing of the goal, I didn't really see as that controversial. No, because there was, no, it, was, it, was, it was a corner. Yeah. So no, referee's going to blow you for a corner. No. You'd let them take, take the corner it, yeah. and then say, okay, as soon as it's cleared, I'm going to blow for full time, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, it wasn't right. ever cleared. It went to the back post and it was Diego Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. It was yes, Diego yeah. Gonzalez. Yeah, I like, poked it in the equal. So I, I didn't really have a problem with that. The five, Where they got the five minutes from was contentious. But having a slightly longer stoppage time is not in itself a, a huge crime. I guess what happened after that and the fact It was that the extra time added on after that yeah. for apparently no reason because the Arsenal protests came while the ball was dead. Mm-hmm. Why add another minute on? Um, and all the rest of it. And it was just one of those, those things where in a league like this one, which is so rife with conspiracy theories and people are so willing to... to think that perhaps Lanus were helped towards the victory in order to make it a more interesting title race to keep the pressure up on River, which doesn't seem to be the case for reasons that we'll obviously get into uh, a little bit later and which have to do with the midweek round and how that went. Midweek round, midweek postponed games. Um, But in this league of all leagues, it was particularly easy to look at that decision and go, "Mm, that looks a bit dodgy, (laughs) if you wanted to. it was, it was rather unfortunate. It was most unfortunate, of course, for Andres Merlos, the referee, um, who was an ex-SAS. Not SAS, obviously, because he's Argentine. Oh, British, you, but th- 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 special th- service th- or something? No, no, I don't mean the, uh, the, the refereeing. Um, an ex-special uh, forces. Yeah, he's, he's ex-special forces or fighter jet pilot or something. Oh. <laughs> one of the articles in Clarine over the weekend was talking about how, how could somebody who is trained to, to pilot a fighter jet flying at... Like, 700 kilometres an hour possibly have let go of a match like that and lost control <laughs> yes because the two are exactly equivalent <laughs> exactly. Um, but he uh, most referees after making a particularly big cock up in the Primera will find themselves refereeing the second division or the third division the following weekend and Andres Melos apparently has been relegated this weekend to regional division football <laughs> uh, which is about as damning as you can get for the hour he, he played in a, a league from Pehuajó where he's and he had five minutes yeah. in that match. I don't remember the teams, of course. <laughs> so he had already. Has He's a fan been. of long stoppage time, then. So. No, but it's a shame. Like, to be honest, it's, it's been really distasteful this week. The whole coverage of this, what Arsenal have come out saying, what his colleagues in the refereeing boards, more than anything, have come out to say. Um, this guy, Marconi, basically just cut him loose and said, yeah. uh, Marconi is the, lead, the head of one of the refereeing trade unions of course as we've mentioned many times there's two in Argentine football and Marconi who's the leader of one basically came out and said look he fucked up and that's it like no defence no you know he's a professional and he bounced back just cut him you know no. cut all the lifeboats for him yeah and, and even people who, who aren't even affected or no no exactly. uh, Daniel Angelisi came out as well and said if it was I, you know this isn't a decision that like benefited Boca but my opinion on it is that he, he that's it for him. Like if it was for me, that's such a big mistake that he'd be out. Yeah, he needs to stop talking. Yeah, so and, and, and another thing, another thing that wor- I, wor- is quite worrying is 
the reactions because mm. how how you judge something of someone uh, that had a good a very very bad match if mm. you want but what have you done or what are you doing exactly. when football is is all the time well have there have been five that people this yeah. week another thing that we're going to get into so, um, <laughs> And you've got to wonder if all of this, you know, does it set a precedent now that if a team's unhappy with a refereeing performance, they can hound him out of the game or they can come onto the pitch and start pressuring him if they put a gun to his face or, you know, where's it going to end? Like, there's got to be some sort of respect for the post. He can have a bad game, he can mess up, he can make horrible mistakes, but if you don't have that kind of just respect for the, the refereeing position, then... Um, it's going to turn into anarchy <laughs> the difference, more than ever. The difference is that Andres Melos was watched by everyone, and mm. the things that Angelisi, Donofrio, eh, etc., do, no, no one sees no, that. No, they're behind closed doors, and they only come out when someone else comes into the club and has to go through all the dirty laundry. Absolutely. Um, there were Frank other class stones, I'm guessing. You know, he is. How was it? How's your Bible training, Sam? He, was, he who is without sin. Let me cast the first time. Yeah, somebody quite yeah. well known on Stepper. Yeah, he's, he was a smart guy. One of I the think main a few ones. people here in Argentine football could listen to him a little bit more. Absolutely. Uh, there were other matches at the weekend. Uh, that win for Lanús on Friday night. Uh, the other point, however, that we should mention that both Peter and I made the point of saying on Twitter at the time is that it's kind of a shame. All of I think it was you anyway. Uh, that it's kind of a shame that the fuss over the stoppage time and when the goal shouldn't shouldn't have been allowed and blah 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 because it completely overlooked the fact that if you replayed Lanus winning goal with the Benny Hill theme tune behind it it was the most hilarious thing ever there were <laughs> people you falling well. <laughs> over each other in the box they were falling over their own feet they were bouncing around so much and then of course the zoom in and shows that Silvio Romero has handled the ball just before um, <laughs> it was it who scored it and uh, Lautaro Costa hammered it in um, it was all very, very, very funny in sort of slapstick comedy kind of way. Um, and that 3-2 win, anyway, left Lanus a point, two points, one point behind River. One point behind River. Uh, with, of course, River still to play on the Friday. On Saturday, we had matches in Bahia Blanca, in Rafaela, in Cordoba, and just the one in Greater Buenos Aires. There were none in the city of Buenos Aires in the Primera at all. Uh, those finished Olimpo 2, Quilmes 1, uh, Letico de Rafaela 3, Godoy Cruz Four, Godoy Cruz have done it again. Um, we were wrong uh, in last we week's were, recording. Yeah. We said they've got a tight line up in the defence to uh, we assumed start winning games. Managed, no, yeah. they just needed to score a couple more goals. Yeah, well, they yeah. still they still need to tighten up the defence if they're going to nah, have to win more from the odd game. Um, Belgrano, <laughs> Belgrano beat uh, Defensa Justicia three 0 in Cordoba, and Independiente lost one 0 at home to Gimnasia y Grima La Plata. Uh, who, of course, had been beaten 1-0 by Racing the previous weekend. Which left everything looking very interesting at the top of the table. Uh, regarding Defensa Justicia, by the way, they're playing at the moment. We're recording on Friday, because of this being the anniversary edition. Um, and they're currently 0-0 four minutes before half-time uh, against Atletico de Rafaela. So that's nice. On Sunday, uh, Estudiantes de la Plata beat Rosario Central 1-0, Racing beat Banfield 1-0, Boca Juniors beat Tigre 2-0 at home, and Vélez Sarsfield and River played a rather entertaining match which finished 1-1 in Liniers. Newell's Old Boys on Monday beat San Lorenzo, who are crap, uh, 3-1. San Lorenzo, Copa Libertadores champions, gearing up for the Club World Cup in magnificent style. 
went to play in Milan, you know, which was a, that was largely a reserve the squad. Biggest, that <laughs> the biggest event of the season, of course. Absolutely. Um, all of these things left, uh, of course, we've had a couple of matches since as well, so it's probably going to be easier because I can't be asked working out what the standings were before. Uh, so some of the postponed games from round 14, the ones that were rained off a week and a half ago, were also played. On Wednesday, we had the second half of Tigre versus Lanús, which kicked off at 0-0 and finished 3-0 to Tigre. Ooh. Turn up for the bum books. Um, on Wednesday night, River Plate hosted Estudiantes in the third chapter of their three uh, triple header. Does that make any sense? Well, it doesn't sound as good as double header, does it? But anyway, it was. Trilogy. You know what I mean. Trilogy is a good one. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Um, like and Estudiantes got a, a slightly jammy early goal, thanks to a, a Marcelo Barrobero fumble, and then held on admirably to end River's unbeaten run which stretched due to that draw with Vélez to 31 matches in all competitions which is equal to Rivers all time best ever unbeaten run which was set in 1922 that's not bad 220 days the last I know the last one maybe they lost was the 6th of April wasn't it is it 220 days yes my word against Belgrano and Cordoba the goal that was not goal but uh, was given by I don't know I don't remember oh yes Sela Rashan yes I've forgotten about that. Was that the last time they lost? Yes. Blimey. It's quite a long time. It is a long time ago. Uh, they've lost again now. Though. They have, um, uh, as we say, to, to Estudiantes. They've also failed to score for the f- failed to score at home for the first time since the 20th of December last year. Two games without a win. Crisis. Uh, yeah. No, the way the papers have reacted, it is a crisis, and we'll get on to that shortly. Um, and then last night we had a match between Arsenal and Independiente in Sarandí, which finished uh, 1-1, wasn't it? Yes. With... Uh, Sebastian Penko heading the equaliser from a free kick apparently Independiente's last nine goals yeah. in the league have all come from set pieces mm. which is remarkable um, the main talking point of that one and we may as well ask Peter right now about it um, was the hefty pardon me <coughs> the hefty blow taken to the head slash upper spine by Federico Manquesho who had to be stretched off um, pretty much unconscious mm. is he alright Peter? Apparently, so yeah. Yeah, I spoke to the family this morning. uh, (laughs) They're all uh, happy. He he was released. He went to hospital last night with Mm. a concussion and was released this morning. So he's on the the main story on the Ole homepage at the moment. He says that he can't remember anything, which doesn't surprise me. I was not unconscious once. Similar to the German player that. Yeah, I, I think suffered some Yes, they say that they, he won't remember the, that he won the World Cup. Well, he will see the yeah. World Cup, but won't remember anything about it. Will he be able to forget the Angola as well? That would be quite useful. <laughs> mm. Indeed. Um, the standings then, as a result of all of the those three title candidates uh, dropping points during these extra matches that they had to play, uh, that River remain top on 32 points, Lanús are second on 30 points, and Racing are now third. The Racing that you've been saying all season are, are rubbish and keep losing and don't have a chance. That, that same Racing, hey, just We, uh, we, just, we just spent a while talking in last week's episode about their For fantastic the last, In the last week, you've come round. I, I think that there's been no faith. No faith. You, don't, you, don't, you don't listen to the podcast, you just get the benefits of our joking emails. <laughs> I, I, think that I get the gist. If Racing doesn't win the title... It will be only because that match against Rafaela, in which oh, they had a lot of 
of of bar uh, uh, walking the bar and the post. I think, yeah, I think I hit the woodwork five times in that single match and lost lost two nil. Two goals in the last ten minutes. Of course, yeah, that was the last game they lost. In fact, since when they've got they've won four and drawn one. Indeed. Um, yeah, you're quite right. Um, Independiente are fourth, just two points behind Racing, and with everybody now having played fifteen, of course, there are two teams uh, who have not played fifteen games. Um, no, there aren't. There are four teams because Defensa and Justicia and Atletico Rafaela will have played sixteen games by the time we stop recording this episode, of course. But there are two teams who have yet to play fifteen matches, and those mm-hmm. are Newells and. Um, Oh no, they're not, are they? Because Newell's no, they're, have they're played Defensa Justicia. No, no, Newell's have to play Defensa Justicia in their um, uh, for the Monday game that was called off when Arsenal uh, and Independiente and all the others were. Sure. That's going to be played on, I think next it's Thursday week. next yeah. week, um, which of course is the same day as something that we're not going to talk about yet because we don't want to stop talking about everything else first of all. So, gentlemen, who's going to win the title? I'm still going to say River are the favourites, but they're much less favourites than they were at the start of, well, when we recorded last week. Shall we have a look at the run-ins for the current top four, say? Yeah? I think, though, that River have got for River, it doesn't, but it doesn't make oh. them all, because in the middle they've got Other than two games. Like, that's yeah. the run-in yeah, that would exactly. have won yeah, yeah. for the title. Obviously, it's great to be in two competitions, but, uh, you know, I'd no, rather I mean, be I mean, Racing or Lanús than River let's say I think Independiente are a bit far behind yeah yeah I mean before the loss against Ignacio I was thinking just stay within one loss Mm. behind River wait Mm. for their Super Classico semi-final um, and then you're in a good position but yeah I agree with Dan and Independiente now probably slipped a little bit too far back but for Lanius and Racing is a good position to be in. Independiente on 27, so they're five behind. But let's just have a look at all four of the, the run-ins anyway, for fun. Because, of course, two of them are, are clashing this coming round as well on Monday. Um, River have remaining uh, Olimpo at home on Sunday. Um, then they visit Racing next weekend. They host Banfield uh, in two weeks' time. I keep forgetting we're recording on a Friday. I keep wanting to say two and a half weeks' time. So it's actually two weeks' time, basically. And then they visit Quilmes uh, on the closing weekend. Lanús hosting... The, uh, no, they're away to Independiente, sorry, on Monday. That's the big one uh, for this weekend, anyway. Gimnasia at home uh, in the 17th round. Boca Juniors at home. That could be tricky. Uh, in the penultimate round. And then they are away to Newell's on the final weekend. Racing uh, away to Quilmes, obviously at home to River, we've mentioned that already, uh, away to Rosario Central, which is... Uh, confident, what you feel about that? Mm, yeah, Central at home are a bit unpredictable. Uh, and then at home to Godoy Cruz, where <laughs> one thing that's guaranteed is that Racing has got three goals, yeah. but whether you're going to win this or three... Um, and Independiente are uh, away to Lanús, no, at Sorry, at home to Lanús. Bloody hell, I'm getting confused. At home to Lanús, away to Boca, at home to Newells, which should be a bit of a gimme, um, <laughs> frankly, and then away to Belgrano. Yeah, Newells away. Racing and River have the, 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 the most easy, yeah. the easiest uh, fixtures, but of course... Well, well, I think we'll know more Lanús Everything will certainly be much night. clearer after Monday, yeah. yeah. Which is slightly annoying because I'm hosting the Buenos Aires pub quiz on Monday evening, so I won't be able to see that match. Um, if you want to come along to the Buenos Aires pub quiz and miss out on Independiente Lanús which is going to be rubbish trust me <laughs> uh, then you can do just, just drop me an email or a tweet and I will give you the details 
Pero es la Seagull en Goldbuster Street. 25 de mayo en Tucumán. No, es no Reconquista, es la Seagull. Es 25 de mayo. Anyway, after that little plug. Uh, it's a tight title race, in other words. And do do the fact that River still have to play Racing, does that give them a bit of an advantage, though, in some ways? Given that Racing are, you know, Racing? Like, they're, they're flying at the moment, but they're inevitably going to find some way of shooting themselves in the foot. That game's going to be very, very tough. It's going to be an interesting very one for the law of the X as well, because Gustavo Ball has been doing fantastically mm-hmm. for Racing all season. Yeah. And then on the Riverside, you've got Mercado and Theo. Yes, I always forget that um, Mercado's an ex-Racing player. Of course. I think of him as ex-Estudiantes. Oh, he Racing. came up through the Racing Academy, he went oh. to the um, 2007 Under-20 World Cup, won that, with that golden generation of uh, Racing players that never really reached their potential. Um, Jacob's more or less around there, Maxi Morales has done right for himself, but mm. Matias Sanchez, whatever happened to him? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing in Chile, isn't he? Possibly. He went to Estudiantes, he did it right there, and he's kind of fallen off the radio over it. And then Romero, of course. Oh, he's playing for Levantiacos. Ah, I'm guessing that's Greece. Yes, I think it is. Let's have a look. There we go. Um, who do we make? Do we still think River are favourites, though? I mean, they're top of the table still. They've got a two-point cushion, which is handy. Um, I have to believe that Racing are capable of, capable of winning there. They managed to take a win against River last season in Navashenea with a much worse squad and um, a much worse coach. A way so to a way to kill us on is it on Saturday or Sunday? Uh, tomorrow at eight thirty. So Saturday at eight thirty in the evening. How confident are you for that one? Mm, we have to win. There's no other way. If Racing Dublin against Kilmes, then you might as well. Uh, the championship. Kimmes, by the way, are bottom of the table, we should say, so we're not going to come out with any guff about that being all potentially No, but they've come out with a couple of decent results. They've won two, and those have been against Vélez, thank you, and someone else. Um, A thrashing of Vélez as well. Yeah, yeah. 4-0. 4-1 or 4-1? 4-1, I think. So, yeah, it's it's one that, it's not necessarily going to be easy, they've they've drawn six, Um, but... It's one that really I, but there's another little rumour going around here. We know how much in uh, Ooh, how much on. our hand of our listeners like conspiracy theories. Yeah, <laughs> that this is a time for Racing to call in their favour after allegedly um, going back. Oh, that wasn't alleged. That happened uh, to lose against Quilmes and almost send Independiente down to that, that was Nacional. that was completely that was thrown. So. Apparently I, I have it's, it on good authority. Yeah. I can't remember what my source was, but somebody told me off the record a few yeah. months after that happened. And Saka came out and said the other day that there was pressure on the players to do it from the directors. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, apparently it's time for Racing to call in their favour. So, in other words, <laughs> Racing are definitely going to win. Lanusia and so could take points off each other. River at home against Olimpo, even though River are putting out an, a, a kind of a second string in preparation for the Sudamericana semi-final. You make River a favourite. favourite yeah. on, on Sunday uh, evening. I can't remember exactly what time the kickoff is. Um, so, it, it could be a good weekend for River, or it could be one in which somebody catches I up think, with at least um, one of Lanús or Independiente are going to be seriously yeah. shot. At least one of them. One of them, well, no. If it Independiente are gone if they lose. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think the fixture list... In hindsight, it's been kind, quite kind to River, given that the prepper this week home to Olimpo is probably as kind as it can get. 
It's been unkindness in the sense of the postponement means they've got a whole load of games with yeah. a short break, but yeah, yeah. But at least like this weekend, minus something to visit Racing in between the two legs against Yeah, But minus Teogo Gutierrez and Carlos Sanchez for this weekend, you'd yeah. still expect them to be able to beat Olimpo. And then it gives them a, like at least a hopefully not hopefully, I mean I don't know if they win, but for you guys, I guess. And so the the question, therefore, that we now naturally find ourselves moving on to and, and that we have to, to deal with, having praised River so much, uh, almost from about the third round onwards, really. Um, I'd like to say something about River, though, like, you know, to go a little bit against his praise. I'd like to say that even though they've been winning games, they've been winning games well, like, they haven't quite been the same team ever since Karanavita and got injured. I can't help seeing it like they lost a little bit of the swagger, so the confidence. He's the, he's in the, the first, most obvious. Uh, yeah, in the, the how many games was it? The first five rounds before he was injured? Mm. Seven, I think, or more. Let's have a look. Uh, oh. he, yeah, uh, around that. Whatever it was, yeah, they were he, absolutely he, fantastic. He got injured, against he, Independiente. He got, he got injured during the 4 1 win against Independiente, and immediately after that was when they had that run of three straight draws. Yeah, I away think. Away to Arsenal, away to Lanús, and home to Boca. And you see, after that, they've won games, but. It's always been kind of a one-goal margin, or a you know, not three-nil, four-nil like it like it was before. Unless we count the three-nil against Belgrano, uh, which was in fact a. Of course, there were a lot of. But, but you know what I'm saying. One know. thing you're right in saying is that in the league, at least, they have drawn more than they've won mm. since Kradovica got injured. They've drawn four-one-one, uh, and they've won. Uh, one nil away to Newell's, three nil at home to Belgrano, two one away to Atletico Rafael, and then of course lost uh, one nil um, at home to Estudiantes. And a lot of those games they actually went down first and had yes, to, uh, and they conceded first. Had, they've had a lot of heart, a lot of bravery, but it would have been great to see Granavita in for the whole season and just see how far that team could have gone. Yeah. I mean, I, they just couldn't quite build on that same potential they had. To some extent, you you could argue that in the first few games, Gachado's River was very different to. Diaz's and therefore the teams were less less like equipped and then as the league as the league went on teams were more aware of how they were going to play how yeah, they were going to play but also oh, I think, so I think that what Dan I mean, says is, is also because uh, Teo Gutierrez goes away with Colombia for instance and you've got young strikers who are coming in and aren't quite as good maybe mm-hmm. but who can do a job mm-hmm. to some extent Carlos Sanchez is away with Uruguay at the moment it's worth pointing out, by the way. As, if Sanchez uh, has been just as important. So something that I saw Joel mention on Twitter, and, and I mentioned it on Twitter after the game last night, was that people... Uh, was it Guillermo Barros of Guilotto who said a few weeks ago that to beat River you've got to kill them? And it turns yeah. out that, in fact, Estudiantes played basically the defensive performance of their lives against a Riverside who were missing Sanchez and Teo. Their two best players, who, by the way, Sanchez got two assists for Uruguay yesterday, yeah. and Teo scored a goal for Colombia against the United States today. Um... So both of them are, you know, they're, they're not suffering to, from the effects of too much football, um, and it might be very different on Wednesday had they been playing. Of course, they're going to miss Sunday's game against um, that Bayern oh, Blanc, uh, Olimpo. Thank you. Um, and they're also, well, Tails definitely going to miss the first leg of the semi-final against Boca in the Sudamericana. Sanchez, they're expecting to be able to make it, um, but Tail is getting back into Buenos Aires about eight hours before kickoff um, from. Lithuania or Slovenia, thank you, where he's flying back from, from Ljubljana. I'm not sure how to say that. I apologise to any Slovene listeners if I just mangled the pronunciation. Do we have any Slovenian listeners? Possibly. Just, you never know. But don't you have the map which shows you... Oh, I don't think we have any in Slovenia, but that doesn't mean we don't have any, any Slovene listeners. It's a global village these days. Indeed. Indeed it is. Um, 
But yeah, the, the question I was going to ask, sorry, before uh, Dan butted in and interrupted me so rudely, uh, was, was whether, as the sports pages have been telling us for the last couple of days, River have indeed suddenly become shit. No, they're not shit. They're knackered, I think is the best way to say it. Um, it's just very, very hard to sustain what, you know, mm. playing every single weekend and, and with week. And with a, such a sort of physically demanding style as well. Yeah, plus they don't have a big squad by any means. They've got a relatively... uh, I'm not sure about the the small squad thing, but it's certainly a squad where a lot of the substitutes are kids from the youth ranks. Yeah. As opposed to... Well, you're saying... The size of squad they've got, but they haven't got, particularly in Kranovic's case, Mm. they've not got the replacement. They're saying comparison to to a European squad who River have got, you know, 15... Core players and then kids, basically. It's it's a whole, it's a lot harder. Mm. I think we've got to take that into account. But to be honest, they've done admirably up to up to now to keep in the two competitions. But also, you have to like um, get into context and consider the the, the place the, the game was in. For example, in a, in a settled uh, in a in a settled almost settled round, playing a rotating uh, squad and. Uh, at times attacking against a seven defenseman team uh, with with estudiantes is like um, the, the I, I took to during the last twenty minutes on Wednesday I took to counting the number of bodies that estudiantes had in the penalty area every time they got a corner. five to seven and they had well they had one man outside the penalty box and the other ten all it's back a, in there which is not a criticism of estudiantes at all it's exactly how you need to play if you're going to they should have probably wrapped it up actually estudiantes. yeah they had, they had a couple of rounds on the break yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They had a, at least a couple of the way you respect the other team is the way you you stand in the in the in the, in the, in the pitch and, and having your 10 men in, inside the box means that, that you, mm. if you give spaces <laughs> to even the, that Tomas Martinez is not Pisculici and that mm. Uh, Solari is not Mercado nor, or, or Sanchez. But Piccolici played. On Wednesday, I think River finished the game with Piccolici and Martinez ah. just behind ah. the front line of Boche, Driussi, uh, Simeone. Simeone, thank you, and, uh, and Mora. They were all ah, they, at the same time. They went for it then, I say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that means also disorder. And also with, with three defenders, sorry to interrupt, yes. under, three defenders, one of whom was Leonel Angioni, who really is a very attacking fullback, yeah. and he was past the line of three at the back. Um, but so. having four, four strikers also means that you are a bit... A bit some no, of course, you're going to give space at the back. It needs to be said about the, the same press who are now saying River is shit. Uh, the same press that after four rounds, but yeah, kind of same. Barcelona, and yeah, this. and like making the comparisons with La Machina and everything else. So I mean, there's probably hover somewhere in the middle of. All well, they before, before, right? well, exactly, yeah, before we accuse them of being before games Well, exactly. Before we accuse them of being too hyperbolic, let's just point out that some of the comparisons from La Machina were coming about when they were on the way to, to breaking that yeah. record. That in fact, that La, La Machina. Oh no, that one of them was from 1944. In fact, so yeah, La Machina would have, have helped to set that one. Um, that's the title race stuff. We're not going to talk about the relegation battle because, of course, it's irrelevant this we season. We don't have a oh, scooby it's, it's going to work. It's not anymore because we do have a lot more to talk about. But before we get on to that, I'm going to, because uh, it's, it's off-pitch stuff, um, I'm going to play some theme music. We're going to recharge our glasses, those of us who need to recharge them. And we'll be back in just a second, so don't go away.
and as I said before the break, uh, relegation is not an issue for the Primera this season, which is why we haven't talked at all about the relegation table. All of a sudden, however, we're obliged to talk about the relegation table, because it was announced yesterday. Um, it's not been confirmed yet, it's not 100% confirmed until Tuesday, this Tuesday coming, when the uh, AFA Exco uh, vote on this to confirm it all, but it looks very much like there will be relegation in June. Some sort of relegation, but it's also not confirmed. A promising sort of relegation. Promising, possibly, if... if it goes the way it was said yeah. to yesterday. Um, I don't know if you want me to explain since I was with this Feel free topic the whole day in the newsroom yesterday, which was great fun. Uh, the judges are being on a, on a newspaper sports desk in Argentina, I guess. Um, so, ten... Of the Primera División's elite clubs. Sorry to interrupt. For the benefit of new listeners, we'll just point out that the background to this, yes, um, in case this is the first hand of pod you've listened to, or the first hand of pod you've listened to this season, or whatever, the background is that um, the current championship, the current short championship in Argentina, which ends in December, the one that we've been talking about up to this point, uh, is going to be the last 20 team championship in Argentina this is Julio Grandona's dream before he died was to expand the Primera and make it a wonderful all conquering all powerful nationwide league of 30 teams because the more teams that are in it the better right I mean that's how it works of course. Um, and the second he died the club started trying to repeal it it was too late to just scrap the whole thing because it was about a week before the start of the season and the second division um, is structured at the moment to send 10 teams up into the Primera in uh, February but ever since then they've been trying to work out ways of, of repealing this over a period of time which will mean that before too long we get down to a sensible number and there have been conflicting reports about how close we are to doing that about how many people want to do it and about how many people don't and so on and so from this we have the discussion that's going on at the moment which as we say is going to be voted on by, on Tuesday but from yes. which we heard a couple of things yesterday which Dan will now fill you in on because I'm going to stop interrupting him Excellent So as I was saying just after the confirmation that uh, the 30 team league would go ahead. 10 teams in the Primera División who basically compute uh, uh, the most of the major teams in Buenos Aires and Greater Buenos Aires. You've got For a quick Boca, short list, River, it's the Big Five plus. No, so, uh, Independiente aren't in there. Oh, that's the Big Five minus Independiente, Vélez, uh, Newell Central, uh, Estudiantes, I think, maybe, and yeah, around there. Those, those kind of teams so teams with a lot of history uh, a lot of pool 10 of the most popular teams in Argentina let's say uh, easily and they're very unhappy with all this but apart from Independiente this is the day yeah. of letting a Racing fan explain the whole thing no what can I say no what can I say Independiente <laughs> for whatever reason I'm within that group that's how it is I don't think it's that coincidental that this group has come about just after another point we can add the new uh, budgets for Football para Todos, the TV revenues were announced, which gave a slight raise, but, but not, not the one they were aiming particularly for. much considering. They wanted, was it now, 200 million pesos more because of the Yeah, and they got about 100, something like that. But, and it's also going to be shared out between 30 teams. Oh, so, no, it's not. No? The version I read yesterday, and again, sorry to interrupt. Was that the ten? There were going to be ten promotions. No, this is what already. I'm saying. I say this is why the group. You know, I'm giving our background. Ah, okay, so sorry. It kind of this was a you know coincidentally it arose after the announcement of the budgets, oh, which okay. weren't as you know as generous as some I wanted. So the the group of the group of ten, as they've obviously been called now, 
uh, started saying, you know, this is unacceptable. There were rumours of, uh, you know, uh, an Argentine Premier League breaking away even. And yesterday they had a meeting with Luis Segura and, funny enough, uh, the head of Torneos y Competencias, which is the former holder of the Promedio de Vision Rights before the government and some government people were there. And the, this group presented their idea, which would be to make the FETA team tournament solely for four months, uh, February to June, um, break it into two zones of 15. Um, they play 14, the format of the tournament. Yeah, they play 14 games, say, and then a playoff semi-final and final to determine the winner. And from there, they'd have six relegations. Possibly, which you know these clubs wanted, those six relegations to come solely from the clubs who have just come up. Mm-hmm. And it would be a fair share of TV money for the clubs who have just come up, but no say on the other executive committee. Um, and this was kind of, you know, get paid lip service to Segura and uh, everyone left separately from the meeting. They, they didn't say anything to the press. So that seemed to be progressing. But then a counter-proposal arrived. We must remember that these 10 clubs are very popular. Um, uh, they have a lot of sway, a lot of financial clout, but they're in the minority because the AFA have their bulk of support in the interior of Argentina and in the lower leagues. Which is precisely why the plan for 30 came about in the first place. Exactly. Madonna wanted yeah. to give more of those small clubs more of a say. Yeah, so they vote him perpetually until the day he dies, which happens. And so these um, smaller clubs, let's say, um, between quotation marks, came up with a counter-proposal, which would be uh, doing the short tournament, the 30 team tournament of up till June, and actually expanding the league to 32. My word. Uh, bringing in two teams that would be promoted from a short season of the National League. Because this was the other argument, was that if they had had, when they decided to take it back to the European season, which was is, is better for Argentine football, supposedly, because it allows the clubs to... Uh, be able to sell players to European clubs which is their main source of income for some of them mm-hmm. without losing players in the middle of the championship Indeed. but by doing that would mean another tournament of the transition for the first half of 2015 and if they don't allow any promotions it would have meant that the second division were playing those six months for no reason whatsoever essentially yes. yeah so the other half kind of the AFA the AFA affiliated part of the, the group want this no relegations in June two promotions and then a year-long tournament, finishing with as many relegations as everyone wants. So these are the two conflicting groups, and um, I really don't know who's going to come out on top. I'm guessing they're going to compromise in some way. Sorry um, to interrupt. <laughs> it's just popped up on the LA homepage that um, Jose Peckerman is allowing Teo Gutierrez to go home from Colombia duty early, which means he'll be in for the first leg of the Sudamericana semi-final. I'm delighted. But sorry, Boca Juniors fans everywhere are waiting in their boots. Then you can Carry continue with your uh, story about the, the, the 30, 32, 40 teams, I don't know. Yeah. So we could be looking at a 2014 tournament in June next year, or we could be looking at a 32 team tournament. It's still 
Is this a Primera Nacional tournament? Completely messed up. Sorry, but what what I read that had come out yesterday was that having talked about this six relegation, two promotion stuff on Wednesday, on Thursday, what I read announced was that they're going to have in June three relegations and one promotion to take it to a 2015-16 season with 28 sides and they're going to do something similar the following season and the season after that, which means that the aim is to, by the start of 2017-18, the Primera will have returned to somewhere between 20 and 2014. Basically, we're all good. this is all and going to come out on Tuesday. Exactly. Tuesday is a big vote in. So next yeah. week's Handed Pod, we will have the final, absolutely definitive, 100% <laughs> I'm no sure, yeah, yeah, change yeah, ever definitely. Uh, answer to this, because there's nothing, that I, I trust the Apple 100% yeah. to not go back on their word once they voted it in. No, um, but the other really exciting thing is that in, in that version that I read at least, um, they would be doing away once the Premier is back to its final 20-ish sides, uh, size, they'd be doing away with the Promedios. Oh, really? And we'd just have a relegation based on the league table, which is the one thing that our football really needs. Don't get your hopes up just yet, Sam. It's a long way to go. <laughs> so My hopes are constantly up, done. As you can see, yeah. so it, it should be like saying the... the, the Ten teams that will play in first division is well come and play with against River against Boca against Independiente and then you go back to your original. That's what they want. Yeah, have a, the other thing is have a nice year to, to make a bit of cash. Six months, you know, you get to pass the big stadiums and then you go back happy. The, the other the other thing is they, they've been saying that those ten teams aren't going to get. Um, extra TV money that comes out of the pot from football per dollars they're going to get an extra million pesos yes, each compared with what they get now which will be out of a separate fund and they're going to be given associate positions on the AFA board rather than the automatic yeah. voting position that all Primera clubs currently have on the AFA board so they won't be able to vote yeah. unlike the it current be, yes, like substitutes so. or something like that like, so, yeah something along those lines we'll see because I don't know what will happen if the AFA decide to, um, to go with the proposal of the interior clubs, the lowly clubs, because there could be um, a real possibility of the Primera División saying, right, fuck it, and breaking away in uh, Premier League style. Break away. So these could break be historic away. days for, um, for Argentina. I'm sure that yeah, at the end everyone's going to do a dirty deal and um, a muddled compromise, and it's going to be fine. But I know it's hard to believe, Sam, but this does happen. I wasn't putting the face for that reason. Just say that again because that bike just went past rather uh, loudly. I'm sure that in the end, all the clubs are going to do a dirty deal, some sort of muddled compromise where we don't really know what happened, but the status quo remains. So let's not. And and from June, get too excited. from June to June will be uh, 25 to June 2016 will be the first whole season. Or you, you long tournament in order Supposedly, to adjust the well study we've, we've still not heard about the, the February to June format of the championship yet so I wouldn't go yeah. too far into next season so we'll that's know, looking so likely to be two zones uh, each team plays each other once and uh, top two from each zone will go into a knockout mm. when will be the Copa America being played? June? July July yeah. they released the fixtures today <laughs> the, group draw, the group draw isn't for another ten days but the fixtures have been released today so if you want to know when Chile are playing their group games you're in luck. Um, apart from that, because Chile, of course, are A1, but apart from that, we don't know who's going to be playing where or when. We just know which supposed matchups are going to be taking place in which cities at what time. Um, so that's a little overview of what's happened in the AFA. Meanwhile, we've had how many? Ten Baradefs in the last week. I put up yesterday that I thought it was uh, four in the last week, and Joel tweeted me to correct and said it was 
11 in the last 10 days With and then there was another an one there was another one after that which was Itusango yesterday there was an Itusango oh that was killed. before because I saw what you to, Joe, Joe reckoned it was two accidents one of which was the fan who fell from the top tier at, was it Doxford? Belgrano Belgrano thank you yeah. uh, and, and then there was another one similar in the second yeah. division um, there were of course a bunch of San Telmo fans um, who were attacked by the Doxud Barra Brava mm-hmm. um, the context for that one is that San Telmo were playing away Doxud were playing at home the stadiums are quite close together the is it Primera B they're in? Um, C. Gustavo? Yeah, yeah. Primera C Primera C which is the fourth division um, is finishing this weekend right? this was the yeah. penultimate round there yes last week. Um what what basically happened was that um, there were a group of San Telmo fans gathered together in a bar three blocks away from the San Telmo stadium. Yes, Doxud were playing at home, and once Doxud's game, yeah. they started leaving early, or the game finished. I think the San Telmo the fans were well better as well, right? No, what I'd read was that the San Telmo what I'd read was that the San Telmo Barra had gone to as close as they could get to the stadium that San Telmo were playing in in their away game. They'd accompanied the squad. Right. Like the Boca fans do ahead of the Super Classico, yeah. they can't get into the ground, but they accompany the squad as close as the police will allow them. And the the people who were attacked in this bar in near San Telmo Stadium were just ordinary fans. Okay, uh, this is what I heard. If that's the but information you got, I'd understood that it was no, but there was San also an, there was another clash I yes. think on a bridge somewhere. Ah, under the Avicenna Bridge. Yeah, that's which it. was where right. I think I think what happened was maybe. The retaliation from the shooting that Sam's talking about was when the Santana Obada were coming back from their away fixture. Right. That would have been what I read about. And was yeah. on the bridge in Sort there. of Montague and Capula, tit for tat, uh, blah blah. Uh, Gustavo, you're our local uh, our resident lower league expert, so fill in the gaps that we've inevitably left with our, our description. Oh, well, uh, I don't know. I don't know what what else can be added, but uh, Santelmo is basically on the verge of being promoted. Um, Doxud has basically been re- they have been having problems with the Barra Brava uh, lately <laughs> yes <laughs> like no they, they had this uh, well yes but uh, they like as far as I know they had, had they hadn't had any problems with the with uh, between the San, the San Telmo and Doxud uh, Barra for years now yeah I know uh, they played last season what was it about April, May, and yes. there wasn't any problems at all. And that is the classical, by the way. We should uh, just no, but since uh, for Doxud, since the was it the excursionistas game? Since the excursionistas game, where where, where they basically were uh, they basically were robbed because the excursionistas scored a goal. Was was it that when the when the when the Doxud um, keeper was down on, on the floor? Uh, there there was trouble. There was there were incidents, and now the Basically, they have been earmarked for for instance ever since. Okay. Uh, the zone group B of the Primera C uh, at the moment, Santelmo on top of it with thirty two points, and Doc Sud are not in Group B of the uh, Primera C. They're in Group A. By the look of Conveniently put in. Well, don't they do? Haven't they been keeping? No, no but, the second in fact. But, but in, in the structures of the, of the tournaments of the Primera right, Day, C and B. Here's a question. Yes, uh, Gustavo, because we've not had somebody in who really knows their way around the lower leagues as much as you do uh, so far this season. We all know. We've just had a go at describing what the plan was for the Primera for this season 
or this season and that half season or whichever way around you want to look at it. We know how the Predator is being restructured, or at least we know that the Predator is being restructured and we'll find out. And when we do find out, we'll understand it more or less. Mm. What I don't have a clue about is how the lower league is being restructured. Because the B Nacional is being decimated by the fact that half of its teams almost are going up to the Primera. No, but ten teams are going up. Yeah, precisely. But still, the the standard from the B Nacional is going to go. You know, it's it's going to drop Mm. with its ten best sides going. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So what's happening? Is the the B Nacional and Primera B are effectively fusing, or or what? Is it just everything's dropping down ten teams, as it were? It's this weird fixture that that has been arranged over. Replacing the ten teams that are going up to Primera División, uh, the, the the division of teams being promoted from Primera B, uh, which is the, the tournament. The, no, I know the, the tournament that uh, Primera B as the tournament that that's being played in Capital Federal and Gran Buenos Aires, as opposed to Fe, to Argentino A, which is the, the tournament that groups the teams from within the within the the country. <laughs> so those, of the country. those are the two different third divisions. So. Um, Three teams from the Primera B Metropolitana are going up to the to the National B, and uh, seven teams from the Argentino A are going up to the to the National B. The thing is that uh, there has been like um, like a tournament long controversy regarding the number of promotions between one tournament and the other, because three teams go uh, go up from the Primera B as to uh, seven teams go to from the Argentino A to and under the old structure until last season it was always just two and two from each division it was two and two and it kind of reflects the spirit that Grondona tried to imprint in the last uh, at at the last time of uh, trying to give more space to the to the federal to the federal football instead of uh, still giving place or power to to the teams from Capital Federal or Gran Buenos Aires the thing is that as we know that Nacional B is going to play to be played basically the same way that it was, but with those ten teams that are going uh, up seven from the Argentino mm-hmm. and three from the um, from the Primera B, there's no clue yet as to how the Primera B, the Argentino, and the Primera C and Primera A and all the other categories are going to be played because basically they are like undefined ones. Mm. Primera División is defined. It's always like that. Uh, so, for example, if you read the declarations from uh, from the vice president of the Primera B Metropolitana, Turna, uh, sorry, the president for the Primera B um, tournament, as we were t- um, conversing with the English Dan before. Uh, during the break. Yeah, um, sorry, during the break. to be English Dan with, there's not another... Uh, <laughs> yes, Sorry. I wanted to clarify. On, on, <laughs> on the anniversary of all days, Dan, of course, we have to show respect to the memory of Australian Dan. Basically, basically um, everything that this, uh, that this guy, uh, Javier Marin, says is in line with Grond- what Grondona used to say. And if you like go inside and ask uh, further into the subject, he will say, like, well, it's up to AFA and basically clear- clears himself of any responsibility. Mm-hmm. But like, in order to... to give the, the lower divisions uh, structure uh, some coherence it's if, if, if there are team t- 10 teams that are going to from Primera B Nacional to the first division you should fill the, that, that, that division mm. with more teams and mm. that more teams will mean for example for to Argentino A to go from regional leagues or something like that 
I, I mean, how, how do you get teams? <laughs> hey, come. Uh, no. We need teams in order to play in Argentina A or Federal A or... Thing is, like, um, and um, some asked about this. Uh, what will happen to National B once these ten teams that we don't know of get to the National B? Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a funny question because you don't you like kind of kind of get the idea of what will happen to the Primera División once these ten teams get to the, from from the National B because you have seen River go down to the National B. And you have seen what happened then. Sure. But some of these teams, for example, that go from the Argentina are really unknown and have like no structure, have not uh, invested so much into the into into the team itself. So we don't know what to get from them. And from the Capital Federal, so sorry, for, from the teams from the Primera B Metropolitana, you have a competition between teams that have been at some point in the Primera División or. Uh, Or in National B. Yeah, they're more well-known teams. You've got Chacarita out there. Got Chacarita, you have Atlanta, you have Los Andes, you have Estudiante Platense, yeah. Estudiantes de Buenos Aires, that have basically uh, have basically gotten themselves uh, pretty much in debt to rebuild their squads and to get the players only to get three teams promoted. Mm. And, you, and to make things worse, you only know that two teams are going to get promoted, one from each zone in the Primera vez Metropolitana, But the way that uh, that the third team is going to be promoted is has not yet yet been cleared. It was supposed to be a playoff. <laughs> We've had two promotions already, by the way, from Argentino A, which is now officially, by the way, called yeah. Federal. Torneo Federal. Unión de Mar del Plata have got up to the Nacional yes. and Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero. And you have uh, one or two more, such as... Uh, Brown, uh, Brown of Madrid, and as well as, uh, sorry, I'm forgetting, Estudiantes of San Luis. A team from Catamarca as well, right? Uh, Union, Union Aconquija, but I'm, I'm not sure they have I've, I've gotten just, that yet. I've just seen the first time the badge of, de, I assume it's Defensores, yeah. de Belgrano de Villa Ramacho. Yes. Excellent badge. has an elephant on it. I like badges with elephants. That's a good It's like an old <laughs> colonial... Indian British police officers. It right? does, yeah, very much. <laughs> it's excellent. Um, sorry to sidetrack that. No, it's, it's the short answer is the National Bay continues to exist because that was the thing that I was having a, a doubt yeah, about. Yeah, all the decisions. We don't have National Bay was invented. Just a lot. No, sure. The reason I ask was the National Bay was formed in the mid 80s, right? Um, prior yes. to that, the Primera Bay, what we now refer to as the Bay Metropolitana, was the second division. And National Bay was sort of interposed between Primera Bay and Primera when they went to the season-long tournaments, was it? Or when they went to short championships? Well, they changed from the Nacional and Metropolitana to the single Primera Edición, right? And the thing what's funny is that... Some structural confusions, no new thing, let's say. No. Bottom line, as our friend Caruso Lombardi says, a favorite of the house... We know we don't have a clue of what's going to happen, but we know that the teams in Capital Federal or or in Gran Buenos Aires that actually would deserve to go to be promoted are not going to be promoted. Okay, he's saying that because he's running a team that's probably not going to get promoted. Yeah, this year. Surely, just remind us where it is now. Tristan Suarez. Tristan Suarez. There we go. And how are they doing? Primero. Not particularly. Uh, middle of the table. They started very well, and then it's kind of dropped off, as every Caruso team does in the history of football. I guess. <laughs> 
No, but he was born and he played in the in the Primera, mm. or actually in the teams that are now in the Primera Metropolitana. Oh, they're second in Group A of the Primera B. They're now, they've played a game more than most of their teams. Oh. They're joint, joint first about. They've got thirty-one points. Well, well, he's covering his bases just in case. That's usual. Absolutely. Um, deaths, ladies and gentlemen. We have to talk about death as well because, as we mentioned, we've had a few in the last week or so. Uh, it should at least be mentioned. They've happened. There we go. That's all, isn't it? Uh, Barra Brava fights involving, as we say, Tusango. Yeah, we can say that the majority. The majority say Doxud and Santelmo apart were internal battles between the let's say two factions. Typically, they are believing the wave started with Amirante Brown when two of their four factions um, clashed before a match again. Estudiantes, which was postponed. Yes. But, you know, obviously no points taken off, no stadium suspended, I'm sure. No, oh, because so, this has been happening for uh, Almirante Brown for many years. Now. Yeah. And then, yeah, and that left two dead, I think, and that kind of kicked off this latest wave of internas, these internal gunfights. Yeah. There was even one at Boca, which happily left no dead, but it did happen before the Tigre. Yeah. Yes. Really? Two and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shots uh, fired. Shoot out. Oh, I, oh, I heard about that. Yeah. No, and then there was reported trouble Before at River, Vélez. Right? Yeah, yeah. the Vélez River game. Hmm. Not no, the River Estudiantes. No, no, there was, uh, there was a tweet from Sabemos Al Football yeah. during the Vélez game. Yeah. Um, the 1-1 the draw last weekend between Vélez and River, uh, that there was trouble in the stands. It wasn't reported very widely, no. apart from that, but I definitely yeah, saw Yeah, that's where I saw it. But, I mean, it's, again, it was reporting it as an internal yeah. ballad struggle in preparation for their presidential elections. Which is interesting because, again, as we were talking about either just before we started recording or during one of the breaks we've had, uh, we've only had one break, so during the break we had, um, Raul Gamis, the, one of the men who is standing for Velez's presidency, presidency. Um, has he been Velez president before? Yes. He has, hasn't he? Uh, in the 90s. He's an ex-Barra Brava. He's got a... Joel, in fact, interviewed him once and said that he went into his, his office... And says he's got a, a photograph framed on the wall behind his desk of him getting in stuck into one of the um, the, so, the the infamous at least in Argentina it's infamous in England it's not so well known um, battle between the Argentine barras and English hooligans in, outside the Azteca in 1986. Gamis was famously one of the ringleaders of that fight, um, and he's very proud of the fact. And we've got this man who is standing for the presidency of one of the biggest clubs in the country, who's been the president of them before, um, and there are still people who sit around wondering why violence is such a big problem in Argentine football. Uh, is he going to stand for, uh, for president? He, he, he wanted to at some point, but he hasn't. Um, he, he wanted to be president when uh, back in the, uh, in the early uh, 2000 or so uh, when, when Grondona was still at, uh, in place uh, but he was basically like thrown off uh, and casted 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 off mm-hmm. casted away sorry I don't know um, basically because he was dead on, dead on against everything that Grondona said and basically suffered the same fate that Daniel Villa did at he, at that point as well. It's very difficult to uh, 
to go against, or at, at least was very difficult to go against what Grondona wanted, or to gain a consensus against uh, against Grondona at that point. Yes, uh, at any point during Grondona's yes. presidency. Um, it, it's it's not particularly easy to get a consensus by the look of it against Grondona today in the AFA, and he's been dead for a few months. Um, so there we have it. Uh, this is something, by the way, that I, I keep saying that I'd like to, to do a special hand of pot on the problem of violence in Argentine football, and we keep not doing it, partly because I have guests lined up. I'm on the verge of getting a guest lined up now. I've, I've, I'm in contact with somebody from the NGO uh, that Peter and I just mentioned, South Memo South Football, um, who has expressed an interest in, in coming on at some point. So if you're a listener and you'd be interested in such an episode... Um, outside the season where we'd just be talking about that and almost nothing else, maybe a bit of transfer talk in January or whatever, but when there's no actual football going on, uh, please make it known to me. Send me an email, send me a tweet, uh, tweet me or, or tweet Handapod or whatever. Um, it's something that we think would be interesting, but obviously I don't want to do it if, if a lot of our listeners don't particularly give a toss about it, but it is an interesting um, topic and it could be done possibly this Argentine summer because it's not as if we've got anything else to do most of the time. I haven't anyway. Um, we shall move on now. We'll, we'll play some more music, I think. Oh, on uh, Independiente, bad news, actually. I saw that. Uh, oh, well, Independiente had like a charity dinner um, in, during the week and obviously having... It was, for, was it for the... It wasn't the anniversary of the foundation, but it was some annual club event that they mm-hmm. had. Yeah, well... And it was the reason that Arsenal against Independiente took place on Thursday rather than Wednesday, because this, this, this dinner was on Tuesday and Independiente yeah. went, oh, we can't possibly play the day after. The players <laughs> yeah, because all the players are there. And uh, it, it transpires hanging out with um, Marte Alvarez, yeah. who was obviously the leader of the Independiente Barbarada and who was banned when uh, under the, the former presidency and is now back. Now Moshano is the president. Um, and made the news at this dinner because he uh, won an auction for <laughs> Quinaguero signed Independiente shirt for four thousand pesos. Four thousand pesos, yes. Yeah. I, I tweeted that and included Quinaguero in the tweet, and uh, he he denied. Didn't re- he, respond? No, no, he declined uh, to respond. I'm surprised by that. Um, he also not. It's not his fault. It's someone buys his shirt. Well, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe, but we don't know where the shirt came from. We needed a denial from Kuhn that, that he'd given it directly to uh, Big Baby. Um, no, I gave it to the club who auctioned it up. Well, did he? Did, did Big Baby... Are you saying it wasn't even an auction? It was just a sham auction and he already <laughs> got it signed up. Big, Big Baby did also win another uh, yeah, thing there. I can't remember what it was exactly, but there was some other historic memento from mm. Independiente that he also happened to win. The thing is, Alvarez already has like 10 Nowedo shirts. I was going to say, I, I, would have, like, yeah. I would have thought that... No, he's got like 10. He's, yeah, yeah, he's I, really I, proud I, of them. He just like collects. I think he's in love with them. And the other thing is... Man. okay. On, on the one hand, this is this is a rare example of, of, of a Barra who actually is clearly a massive fan of Independiente, as well as being a mafioso, horrible person. Think around. about it, Sam. If he's got four thousand pesos to spend on the shirt, where's that money coming from? Well, right. <laughs> this is, this is, this Let's is not be naive here. This is precisely what I'm saying: is that if the point of this Independiente charity auction is to raise money for the charity or for the club or whatever it's for, they're taking dirty money. Like, I mean, there's no way that Alvarez's money is clean. Well, it's no, money it's, that it's they, basically money that they've already yeah. given to the Vod. It's just Can we have 4,000 pesos of that money we gave you for the party or whatever else? Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm going to play some music now. When we come back, we shall hear from our lovely listeners um, who have been tweeting me all week about their best memories from the last uh-huh. four years of Argentine football. So I thought that would be something nice, you know, a bit of listener inclusion and everything because we don't do enough of it normally. Um, so don't go away. We'll be back very shortly. earlier in the week, warning you all, dear listeners, that it was our fourth birthday this week and that we were going to be recording a particularly drunken episode this week. We're not doing it because we're going up to stuff our faces with cow later on. It's um, early still, uh, yeah, I could get drunk. Oh, fine, there's been another goal. By the way, sorry, the game that I mentioned uh, was coming up to half-time earlier is now coming up to full-time and Defensive DC have scored twice uh, while we were looking, but we didn't mention it, and Atletico de Rafael have now pulled one back, so it's currently 2 one is this a penalty? No, it was a penalty. No, it was a penalty. Okay, I didn't see so it. Thank you for mentioning it to me, boys, at the time. You were recording, I wasn't saying, yeah, we're playing a penalty. There are two and a half minutes plus stoppage time to go, so we'll see how much stoppage time there is. This is a Friday night in Argentina. It could go on for another half hour. Um, <laughs> but I did ask you all to tweet me, and if, if you wanted to, to email me, um, your memories, your favourite memories of Argentine football over the last four years. So this is where we give you, the listener, a say. First of all, mm. I shall... Risky. Because otherwise I'll forget. You know the, the type oh, of listener we have, right? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, but first of all is David Ellingham, who's the only person to have emailed me, as he normally is, in fact, each week. Uh, he says, congratulations on reaching your fourth anniversary. Thank you very much, David. It's, it's been a pleasure. Um, he says, in the last four years of watching Argentine football, I've seen many great goals and many great players. He's getting a bit cheesy now, isn't he? Uh, but none of them come close to being the highlight. That, for me, is San Lorenzo being allowed to return at some point in the future to their rightful home. The efforts of their supporters and inspiration to football fans all over the world. And I will add that I am not a San Lorenzo fan. How many years do we have to record for, uh, to see San Lorenzo playing in Boyle? Ten more? Theoretically, another two. If that actually happens, I will eat my own hat. But how long is it going to take for them to build a stadium? Horrible Come on. American mustard. They're not going to be in a new stadium there by 2020. No, they're not. Oh, that's bollocks. No. <laughs> so that's a lot more for net and a lot more Handapod. Indeed. If Handapod is still about when San Lorenzo get into their new stadium, uh, then I really will need my head examined. They might be doing it from the moon. <laughs> yeah, who knows. Um, but no, I, I agree with the, uh, the basic thinking behind David's email, which is that mm. it is indeed a wonderful uh, story that we can all get behind as lovers of democracy. Not, not, not necessarily of San Lorenzo, but you know, if you if you don't like military dictatorships, then you should be on San Lorenzo's side of that argument, essentially. Um, Ursus Actos says has to be New Jersey. You all know what he's talking about, don't you? No. Lionel Messi's second hat trick for Argentina. Argentina for uh... Brazil three. Um, which Gata Negra Jazza Gold uh, follows up with saying she was there but she wasn't there James Fielden um, football commentator and one of our more well-known listeners says he covered a great game between Argentinos Juniors and All Boys when there were six red cards and All Boys were still in with a chance of winning the title at the end of the game if I recall correctly <laughs> I can't remember that one which year was that in? you were no. nodding your head Gustavo go on no you know exactly I, I, I can't remember that sorry All Boys were a chance of winning a title 
Jesus. That must have been two or three years ago, at least. It certainly wasn't last season. Uh, Nadji, if, if that's Hungarian, then it's Nodj. I'm not sure where you're from. Oh, no, it looks like you're Egyptian, so I don't know how that's pronounced. Sorry. It says, happy birthday, Tyler Pod. Fan for two years now and always loved it. Keep the great work coming. Thank you very much. That's lovely of you. Mac Trenhaile says, um, best for me is Newell's winning the title. It got me hooked on the league from the United States. It's fair enough. Yeah. Sorry for what came afterwards, but you know, it's not our fault. Uh, Rock the Casper, who, like Peter, is an Independiente fan, um, says, obviously, Boca 4, Independiente 5. That's a good choice. I remember that game very well. I was watching it with, I think it was Australian Dan and Jonathan Wilson in my living room, and it was mental. What was Wilson, it? Three Wilson of Badiasis. Five goals for Independiente, <laughs> yeah. more or less? Yeah, he scored a hat trick, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he scored a hat trick, and yeah. he yeah. scored two more in a year. I watched the video on YouTube. The, that uh, uh, I mean, Independiente website uh, published on uh, a Boca commentator uh, with the, uh, of course, commentating the match and, and say, hey, here, here it comes, he comes for us, he will chip it, oh, it <laughs> has been a goal. We love the match. <laughs> it's like kind of like, when, like when dead, you, a dead man. In Argentina, they usually do that the same, they put the. The, the the British commentary on top of the Maradona goal in yeah except it's not actually the British commentary no they've just got some English bloke to re-record it oh okay. sounding very English but that's not the commentary that went out on ITV <laughs> that game um, <laughs> Bokense says favourite moment is River losing he means River being relegated and that, <laughs> and that old man Passman losing his mind screaming at his television that was certainly one of the more comment-worthy moments, I think it's fair to say, for the last couple of years. Um, Andres has tweeted us, this is two days ago, saying, I won't take a cake to the Hand of Pod, fourth birthday episode. We were expecting you to, Andres, so you should. Uh, but it is said that we will eat a whole cow after recording. Stay tuned, we will indeed. Tom Robinson says, best moment is probably Tigre's escape from the relegation slash simultaneous title challenge Wow. In, I that think, was pretty special. In he yeah. thinks the 2012 Clasura, I think he's right. 2012 Clasura, um, which that, one. that or Caruso Lombardi having a street fight outside the TV studio <laughs> with, with his ex sister. Uh, <laughs> Caruso Lombardi amazingly doesn't feature very much in people's tweets. I think Tom's the only person who's mentioned it. Um, but probably should do more. Uh, Toby Millard says, Happy birthday. It's great to have a pod made for fans of Archie Ball. Many happy returns. Thank you very much, Toby. My favourite moment, he says, of the last four years is without doubt the penalty shootout win over the Netherlands. To reach a first World Cup final in 24 years was an amazing feeling. And I think all of us who were here in Argentina at the time would agree, particularly, no doubt, Gustavo and Andres, who actually are Argentine. Um, he also went to the went to Argentina's friendly, which we've not mentioned. Argentina played an international match this week. because it was so meaningless. It was yes. just a waste of time. Um, they won two one against Croatia yeah. with a couple of well, with one with one the return of the player of the people, the player of the people. Can I just say, I was convinced at half time when Croatia were one 0 up at half time. I was absolutely convinced that Tevez was going to come off the bench and score a hat trick, and I was gritting my teeth in preparation for it. And I'm so glad that it didn't end up happening. And in the end, he decided to. <laughs> this anyway, this to be match just as bad as he was playing for Argentina years before. But this match was useful to know that there are youngsters in Europe which you don't really know, or, or, or even there are some and, mm-hmm. and they were decent because. Yes. Oh, they were here's, here's a I quick question. The big take on point. Sorry, I can interrupt. Just no. I thought Cristiano Ansaldi was was very good. For, he got an assist. <laughs> according, according to the Argentina official Twitter, Ansaldi scored that goal. 
Yeah, they continued that, even that. after the end of the game. They were still saying, and Saldi with a deflection off Aguero got the goal. No, and Morris got the goal. Bizarre. Um, here's a very quick question regarding Lionel Messi's penalty. First of all, not counting penalties scored in penalty shootouts, because they obviously don't count towards your goal tally for your country. Uh, Messi has scored nine penalties for Argentina, which is one more than Batistuta scored for them and is one fewer than Argentina's all-time record penalty goal scorer. Can anyone tell who that is? Daniel Passarella. I was going to say Passarella. He's also now got 45 goals for Argentina, which, depending on who you read and who you trust, is either 9 or 11 behind Batistuta. Was this Slovenia-friendly and be international or not, boys? Because no one seems able to give me a satisfactory answer. 1995, 22nd of May or something like that. Two of Batistuta's goals, as well as one of Sanetti's goals and one of Sanetti's appearances, which is a record itself for Argentina, came against Slovenia. And I've been told on Twitter, A, that this was a B international, so Batistuta only finished on 40, uh, or sorry, on 54 goals, not 56 for Argentina, yes. which would mean that Sanetti only has 144 caps on 145. And I've been told by other people, no, it was a full international Batistuta has 56. All of the Argentine media now have decided that Messi is nine goals behind Batistuta, which means that those two goals and that international... What does the AFA website mean? The AFA website, I'm not sure. Not suggesting that that's always the the gospel, but... Well, it should be. At least in terms of the statistical stuff, you have to go with what the AFA Anyway, nine or eleven, I think he will... He's going to pass it. Oh, no, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. It gives the papers uh, yet another chance to sell on... One more messy record to if, yeah. if he scores so, nine goals, I guess the idea is that record falls in the final of the Copa America, beating Brazil seven nil. If he scores nine goals against Portugal on Wednesday, then is are we gonna... are we going to be recording next Wednesday evening and talking about Messi having equal Batistuta's record or not? What do we do? If he scores ten, what do we do? If he scores ten, is he the outright top scorer or has he still got two more to go? Probably a moot point. Probably. He's probably not going to happen, but just in case. <laughs> We, we we'll come preparing. We'll prepare two scripts because obviously all of Hand of Body scripted. Yes. We'll prepare two scripts for bifurcation. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, others, Ed Malian has tweeted us to say happy birthday to Hand of Pod. It's still the only podcast I listen to every week. Isn't that so. high praise? It, it either calls into question Ed Malian's judgment or speaks very highly of Ed Malian's judgment. I'm not mm-hmm. sure which. Um, no doubt any one of his numerous uh, Twitter followers will be prepared to. <laughs> to give an opinion either way on that uh, Lee Ballard says uh, Messi was in good form last night do you think he'll finish his career in Argentina? Yep I don't know Really? I honestly don't know That's it's no not isn't he's going to come back for a season I, at Niels, even if he's 43 nah. I don't see him I don't see him coming if conditions are like like they mm. are today insecurity the impossibility to for example uh, well, the, the away crowd, I don't know if he will care much, but uh, yes, it's not good conditions here. And, uh, and uh, I also uh, don't know if he's a player who's going to carry on until 34, 35, 36. I can see him from everything we leaving read the game at 32 and saying, right, see ya. From everything we read about his, his daily routine and how much he loves keeping himself in shape, he's not exactly Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of professional. Exactly, yeah. I've got a feeling, you know, he's started a family. I've, I can see him... Leaving at the height of his powers, 32 after the 2018 World Cup or whatever. See so yeah, right, See you later. Also, it won't surprise me at all. So maybe you won't get tenuous. But I don't think it's now. I'm I'm clinging on to a vision of a Primera in after that World Cup when all of these players are in their 30s and we have Messi playing for 
Fanules, uh, Di Maria playing for Central. A, a, a nearly 40 year old Mascherano also playing for Central. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All, all of these players back in the Premier League. Well, we actually clinging on to. We actually got the chance, uh, for example, with Kili Gonzalez and Maxi mm. Rodriguez. Mm. But the thing is. Yeah, but that, at that time, will Messi be willing to take all the aberration of the, of the Argentine football? Uh, with him, I think he's gonna. He's got to come back for six months, though. He's always right. wanted to play for Niels. I'm not sure. One, maybe uh, uh, many many Argentine players yeah. say that because they want to like blend yeah. in and say, yeah, well, so then look at you know, at some point, demonstrably a massive Niels. For, for example, Aymar and Alessandro have always said that well. they wanted Chris to Paul, retire yeah, in Argentina and so on. But when they realize that when they get to Argentinian football, it's going to be a, a continuous scandal, and what uh, and if he's unfit. They're going to bash on him, mm. uh, as well as we know Messi. He, he. I, I have my doubts on that. Like, if he's unfit at 33, 34, and he come, comes back uh, 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 to Argentina, and everyone, uh, everyone starts saying, "Well, Messi's unfit. He cannot play any, anymore." Will he, Will he be willing to take that? I'm not sure. He hasn't been like really keen on that playing in Europe and will he want yeah. to do that as well in Argentina in Hand of Pod episode 350 or so we might be able to give you a better answer to this <laughs> uh, Paul Odegaard says Felicidades Hand of Pod essential for me to catch up but I've missed you in the RG Ball week may there be many more here here thank you very much um, Martin Conterio says I found this an excellent listen as my interest in Argentine league football grows thank you very much Mariano says Felicitaciones uh, he said it in Spanish, so I'll give this for the benefits. It's an English language podcast for the benefits of our listeners. It's all just praising us, basically. Uh, we hope, uh, hopefully, there'll be many more to come, uh, and hopefully, I'll be able to be on more often in the next yeah, year. Yeah. Yes, Mariano, please do try. Your laziness this year has been noticed. Uh, yeah, the Hosel Rocketeer says, "Happy fourth birthday on the pod! Great podcast. If like me, you followed Argentine football since these late night Channel Five shows. Indeed, which, funnily enough, is how some of us got into that as well." Uh, John Ewan says happy anniversary as does Arctos as does Johnny hello everybody David Monigal feliz cumpleaños maybe I can be a guest next time I visit let us know and we'll see uh, Liam Kelly no relation <laughs> says it's been a great four years listening to the podcast here's to the next four best moments include San Lorenzo's comeback against Newell's in 2012 to aid their survival hopes that was the um, the ginger haired ball boy he did one I think wasn't it? <laughs> yes. um that was, that's probably my highlight, actually. That whole Colorado, the Mufa thing, that was brilliant. Um, and also how far River have come in two years, which I think it ties in at least to my answer to his question, which is during Hander Pod's existence, which clubs have underachieved and which have overachieved? And the two really obvious ones that we have to, we can't deny, even though some of us are fans of them, who we can't say have not underachieved, are Independiente and River Plate. Mm. Because for those two sides to get relegated... In River's case, admittedly, only a few months into the pod's existence, but still, um, it's quite something, and, and is is an yeah, object, an object lesson uh, in some of the the stuff that we talk about every week about how ridiculously this league's run because it takes an enormous amount of mismanagement to get River relegated in the Argentine Primera, and yes, it happened. Uh, overachieved. All boys for a very brief period. Always had that run where they did very well, yeah. Tigre, I think. Uh, although actually, all boys were already doing it when we first started, so they almost don't count. Yeah. But Tigre, Arsenal, Atlético uh, de Rafaela, who just yeah. lost two one to Defensivos Dicia. I think you got to put Arsenal up there. 
they Maybe. won their first ever league and they've always been sort of a top table team pushing around there. Did they? Did they win their first league since we started recording? Yeah, in 2012. Pakistan and India. Blimey. The 2012 class of it. I could have sworn it was 2009. Alfaro, right? Carbonero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're quite right, yeah. Uh, they would be probably my wife, uh, Richie. As well as. They did it with ah, Bagrano. Yeah, they were there backing, I don't know if you yeah. can remember. Bagrano as well came up in very you know, dramatic fashion and managed to just really carve out a place for himself. Rafaela, of course. True. Yeah. Those teams, yeah. that kind of group who all came up together, have all kind of like made their own way in the, in the league, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Underachieved, maybe as well as River and Independiente, obviously, but not to that quite extent. But maybe Banfield went down and took a long time to come back up. Yeah, and Banfield just before I say we started time, recording, they, years, they won the league. Of course, um, Boca, you could say as well the amount of. Oh, they've no. been in the Copa Libertadores final since we started recording. You can't. But for what's expected of Boca, like, you know, That's true. one they, they championship been, win in eight and pretty yeah. single final. Like. And of course, Racing, who throughout the four years have had the pods. Like, yeah, but does, really, <laughs> does anyone really be, expect more of Racing? They've continued really? to be Racing, so by definition, uh, they're an answer to that question. Uh, Jeff, no, Livingston, Jeff Livingston says, chaps, hypothetically... Which Argentina-based players who were born on or after the 1st of January 1993 oh, would you insist made the next In Bed with Maradona 100? I've made a few suggestions to this already because he direct messaged me on Twitter earlier. And I'm I said, not sure a whole of... bunch of players. Kranovita, Tomas Martinez, Lucas Boche. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure Alvarez Malanta's birthday, but if, if it's after the 1st of January 93, then him. That would make him 21 now, right? Andres Chavez, I think who no Chavez is massively overrated you think? massively he was, overrated he was key to both the Bocca's goals last weekend he's no he's a guy who runs fast but he's not got, he's got no football rank he's massively overrated Chavez okay. Gustavo Bull of course <laughs> <laughs> no he's over that age uh, Lucas Romero Vélez anybody at Joaquin all Correa. anybody called Correa anyone Jorge, any of the Correas Eric of any of them yep um Ooh. Other teams? Yeah, Any, anybody okay. at hey, all Carrillo and Rulli? Carrillo and Rulli. Uh, Rulli's in Spain. Rulli's already gone yeah. to Real Sociedad. Yeah. That was yeah, obscene. Uh-huh. Cáceres of uh, Ovelis is showing some good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about him. Anyone, in, yeah, anyone under 21 in Vélez, basically, is usually a good bet. Pisano? Hmm? I was looking at Peter for the Independiente suggestion, but you're quite right. Maybe Pisano. Uh, Pisini, Pisini, right? How old Pisini Pisini was the Pisano. birthday that you gave though? 1993, so on the 1st oh, of January, you'd have to be 22 or younger. younger. Not young, but I think Pisano's older. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not young, but Pisano's older. No, Pisano's older, I think. Yeah, he's 24. 24. Yeah. 24, 25. No, I think Pisini's also old. There'd be a few in Racing, but they've all gone to Europe. Vieto, Socolini, De Paul, yeah. they'd all kind of. Uh, so we have a few names there yeah. for you, Jeff. Hopefully that helps you. Uh, Haynes, Will Haynes asks, What does El Dromedario Manquecho have to do to get a call up to the Selección? Shame you got injured last night. I'm assuming that's at least half in jest because for starters, yeah. he's got to be a much, much, much better forward than he is given. He the needs to be far front. better than he is now. And again, how old is he, Peter? 24 or 25. Yeah, he's not. I mean, so. he's not like. He's he's not 
an absolute key. A couple of years younger than Higuain, and he's not quite playing at the same level. Well, no, he's, he's not really a centre-forward. No, he's no, an attacking midfielder. He'll exactly. make a decent attacking midfielder for uh, Villarreal, for uh, Catania, for uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, Blackburn, let's say. And that's about as much as he can aspire to, I think. Uh, Phil Kearney so it's an obvious one given that Phil of course is the man behind the Lanús in English Twitter account but Lanús winning the Copa Sudamericana uh, two less obvious favourites Lauchia Costa's 93rd minute equaliser in the Recopa Sudamericana and Maxi Velasquez equaliser at Racing after a 35 minute power outage in a match where Lanús went down to 10 men and probably deserved to lose I can't remember that again can't you? no no last, I remember last year, wasn't it? In the in El Cilindro, there was a big power cut. <laughs> no. Was it in the Sudamericana or the or the league towards the beginning of last season? Could I can't remember what competition the it was, but yeah, I remember it. Yeah, might have been in the league. I remember the event, but it doesn't remember. And Darren Paul finally says, "I remember that Pelletieri penalty save." Ah, oh, that was amazing. Which Darren, yeah. funnily enough, does remember. <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> nice. That game was fantastic. I really enjoyed that game. I'm sure you did. Um, yeah, San Martin de San Juan, I believe, with Facundo Sava, the coach, and he got sacked straight afterwards. <laughs> what was the score? 3 1 to Rask. And he got sacked afterwards? Yeah, because of course that it was, was like the, the eighth defeat in a row that. Uh, yeah, sorry, San I was Martin thinking it was, was Rask. No, <laughs> one day, but still. He's that still was one of the best teams in which, in, in terms of play, that has been related. Because San Martin yeah. used to play very good, and mm. but well, like Banfield, for example, didn't achieve the. the mm. The goals and yeah. it was also an excellent Racing team that year. It was, I think, they finished second behind Boca that year. Or no, it wasn't Boca. Was it? No. In 2012. 2012. What? Yeah. Uh, the Apertura. 2012. Oh, Universal Football doesn't go about that far, so I'm not going to bother. No, no but let's have a look. Let's have a look. Talk it was a good team. Apertura. I think they finished behind the Vélez, maybe. Yeah, no. yeah. Or or was it News? Was that the year that Newell's finished? Newell's no, they won the final. Sort of. oh, that's the final. Sort of. quite right. uh, oh, that's right. It was the Inicial 2012. There we go. Yeah. I was, would have been Venice, no? Yeah, it was Venice. There we go. Uh, Racing finished a somewhat distant second, but it was a really, inter- really exciting team with Vieto, Centurion, Zuccolini, De Paul, all playing really well. Venice won the Torneo Inicial. Newell's finished second, Belgrano finished third, Lanus finished fourth, Racing finished fifth. Your memory's playing tricks with you now. But all the... Within three yeah, points of Newell's in second, yeah, so yeah, yeah what the hell. Second best yeah. goal difference, I think that's what you were looking at, wasn't it? Indeed. Uh, maybe in, um, in the finale we did better. No, I remember we got like 65 points over the two tournaments, which for Racing was, was a pretty decent round. Yeah, that's, yeah, fifth in the initial and sixth in the yeah. finale, so it was a good season for Racing. Quite a big number of players... Uh, that have gone quite uh, early to Europe, like Farinha, like Vieto. Like yeah, ah, Farinha as well, is in that team. Farinha, Vieto, Viola, uh, Centurion, and the Polo, yeah. Centurion is fast. Zuccolini. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No, it's a, it a good bunch of youngsters. So now we'll see what happens. That, at any rate, is your lot for this week, except for one last thing, of course. We have to play Mystic Sam's theme music and come back with Mystic Sam's predictions, and I will do that right now and I will be 100% honest about my prediction for the match that's already finished so don't go anywhere ok 
Okay, here we go. Defensa Justicia versus Atletico de Rafaela has already finished. Uh, I would pray an Atletico de Rafaela win and Defensa Justicia ended up actually winning it. Um, the other match on Friday evening, which is just about to kick off as we record, uh, is between Rosario Central and Belis Sarsfield. Is it about to kick off or is it half time already? Uh, about to kick off. No, about to kick off. It's about to kick off. Anyway, they switched to summer hours. Central against Venice, they have. Yeah, but yeah. that's cool. Anyway, Central against Venice, uh, I'm going for a draw. Both of them are in very bad form, but they can't both lose. Uh, Venice aren't in particularly bad form, but Venice's away record is horrible. Um, Gimnasia La Plata against Banfield on Saturday at 5pm. As you say, we now move to the summer timetable now. Uh, I'm going to go for a draw, but if you're betting on it, then Juan Casares. Casares starts for Banfield, then bets are off because he's very good and not make a difference. San Lorenzo against Belgrano, I think is going to be a Belgrano victory. Kilmes versus Racing Club, I think has got to be, as we said earlier, a Racing win. Kilmes at bottom. And they're going to give them the points as we said. Yes, and, and it's going to be thrown for them anyway. Uh, Godoy Cruz versus Estudiantes de la Plata, I think. I'm going to go for a draw, but as we've already established here, Godoy Cruz. Fuck knows what's going to happen. So basically, bet on over two and a half goals if you're placing bets. Yeah, we, four and a half. Five I think better we, we make a we celebrate your party with the Yeah. Uh, Tigre versus Newell's Old Boys. Um, I'm going to go for a draw in that one. River Plate versus Olimpo. I'm going to go for River to get back to winning ways. Arsenal de Sarandi against Boca Juniors. I think is a draw. Arsenal are one of two clubs who are still unbeaten at home this season. Estudiantes really? being the other after last after Wednesday night's defeat for Rennes. Uh, no, Rennes is Estudiantes Fono yeah. in La Plata. Yeah, yeah. Okay, in that case it might be Vélez or the others in that case, yeah. Uh, and Independiente versus Lanús, um, I think could be a draw. So the real winners of that one could well be River Plate. Uh, but mm-hmm. we shall see. Hopefully this will be online before the games kick off on Saturday. I'm going to go home later on tonight and if I'm not too drunk from wine and Fernet after our Asado that we're going for in a minute. Um, I will try and get it uploaded in the early hours, UK time, of Saturday morning. I apologise for that ambulance, fire engine, police car, whatever the fuck uh, it is. I don't know, poison control and Burger nuclear, museum nuclear meltdown. Not for here. Uh, no, Dan's computer has just run out of battery and switched itself off before I could log out of my email, so he'll have to do that for me later on. Um, and for now, ladies and gentlemen... I trust him to. He's, he's fine. He'll do it. I, I trust you not to look at any of the dirty pictures I've got on there. Um, and for now, ladies and gents, thank you very much for listening. It's for a new, um, the new Jennifer Lawrence scandal coming out now. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to, you know, present or don't, don't want to market myself too highly, but it could get a bit of exposure. For, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Thank you for listening for another, uh, well, for four years now. Gosh, bloody hell. A lot of stamina. Thank you if you've ever listened and told somebody else that we were actually worth listening to. That's that's the biggest compliment of the lot and also the least honest, probably. Um, And we will be back next week and we'll just carry on plugging away, really. And if we ever do hit eight years, then please, somebody shoot me. Um, But for now, ladies and gentlemen, it's goodbye from uh, Mr. Quates. Goodbye. Goodbye from Gustavo. Goodbye. Goodbye from Andres. Goodbye. Goodbye from my... Four-year-long podcasting partner, English Dan. Goodbye, Sam. His uh, four years more. Indeed. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.